Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 453 on Tuesday, the 1st of February, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Rich. And this week, well, you've probably noticed Andrew isn't here. Rich has agreed to join us at the uh, quite quite late notice, relatively short notice. Um, So, so yes, just to, to save you. Having thirty-five minutes of me warbling. In fact, it's me having thirty-five minutes of me warbling. Uh, but never mind. Anyway, this week we'll be discussing everyone's favourite boring colours, uh, the accountability of autonomous car users, and we've got a solution to one of last week's news stories. Uh, but there's no follow-up this week. Oh. So, yeah, well, quite exactly. Thank you. Well, the only bit of follow-up's a bit right at the end. Um, so, yes, we'll go straight into new news and exciting news this week. Uh, the annual release from the SMMT telling us about the UK's favorite car colors. Mm. Yes. What's the favorite <laughs> car color, Rich? Gray. Woo. And has been gray for the last four years i think yeah yeah before before that it was an exciting black and before that was an exciting white but it was was it 20 24.8 percent of all new vehicles registered in 2021 were gray yes um yeah which doesn't you know that's almost a quarter for those of us who do maths um then it was 20 percent were black 17 percent white so by the time you're at that you're at well over you're getting on for about 60 percent over 60 percent of Mm -hmm. of new vehicles are gray black or white um and then you're into finally some colors so then you're into blue red silver as distinct from gray um some would some would argue well my um, heart does as to whether silver is a color well yes Exactly. It is a tone in which you can purchase a vehicle, however. So let's not go too far down that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then green, orange, yellow and bronze down at the bottom, um, which is quite quite nuts, really. Just just what, really dull colours. Well, what I found interesting was the graphic that the SMT released with this news release. Um, 21 years ago and 20 years ago, so 2000, 2001, green was like third and fourth mm. it slipped down to fifth in 2002 um and red and blue were right up near the top so our tastes have obviously got more conservative as the years have gone on well it's a little bit of that but it's i, I blame quentin wilson for this Really? As far as I'm concerned, this this falls straight at Quentin Wilson because he used to be on television telling everyone to order cars in grey or silver because it was better for your resale value. Ah. So people keep people and fleet managers keep as well keep ordering these cars in these colours because down the line the car will be worth two hundred pounds more in three oh, okay. years down the line, and so everybody buys these dull colours for resale value. So they're buying the car for the next owner as opposed to buying the car for them, I think. Mm. Well, that's interesting, actually. We, we've been looking at houses recently, and a lot of the houses we see that have had decent photos taken of them are all, all the rooms are grey. 
that's really fashionable at the minute. It says Mr. Magnolia here. This, this room that hasn't <laughs> room that hasn't been repainted in the thirteen and a half years that I've had the house. Yeah. Well, I th- again, I think it's just to make people even buy the house hmm. with a blank canvas, or I don't know. Yeah, but that's slightly different because you can change the color of rooms and stuff in a house. Whereas once you've bought a car, unless you're going to get it wrapped or going to get it resprayed, mm. which has its own connotations, yes. then you can't really change it. You 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 know you you have to sort of decide when you buy the car if you're buying new what color you want. Yeah, yeah. Sad sad person that I am. I was looking at the figures in the mid, you know, the 2013 to mm. 2016. Obviously, I've bought a car not quite so long ago. It was yeah. 2014, and it's white. So it was the most popular color in 2014. It fits that that bill perfectly. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, and the fact it didn't cost anything to have white. So. Well, that's it. That's the um, yeah. The, the, there's no color tax on it in that no. case. But no. Uh, so there we go. That's that's one. That's one of the the sort of. That's one of the big stories of the week, actually. Quite a few largest stories. But there'll be links to Autocar article, some analysis there, and the SMMT SMMT release as well. Cool. Well, the next story is about the fact that councils can enforce moving traffic offences from June of this year. And these changes to legislation, legislation even will allow local councils outside of London to issue fines for driving offences. So says this article by John Redford of Emerging Research. Yeah, it, it's not as bad as you might think. It, this is not all of a sudden there'll be sort of traffic wardens ticketing you for everything. Um, and it's not an automatic thing that the councils will be able to do this. Um, London and Cardiff, the councils already have the authority to issue certain enforcement fines. So things like stopping at box junction um, or making prohibited turns, that kind of thing, uh, as opposed to um, as opposed to speed speed issues and, and that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, but in order to do it, the councils will have to apply to the Secretary of State, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, apply to the Secretary of State for, for that for that um, for those permissions to be granted to them to be able to monitor box junctions and do these kind of things. So this is absolutely not a shoe-in. Um, and it should, one hopes, make it a little bit trickier for, for councils to, to try to cash in on this and issue fines for for just about everything. Well, what, why the Secretary of State and not Jackie Weaver? I thought she had the authority. Is she? Oh, oh God, sorry. <laughs> Did you Wait see up. that? That was that joke going right over my head. <laughs> it has been a, it has been a long day already, guys. Um, so yes, yes, yes. I thought she had no authority. Oh uh, well, anyway. I think she has authority now. But anyway. Oh right, okay. Oh, fair enough. You are far more au fait with these things than um, <laughs> I spend far too much time doing seeing rubbish YouTube videos. Um, you may very well say that I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, the other thing, the, another story that's coming up, again by, by from Motoring Research and, and written by John, um, is about streetlights helping uh, self-driving cars. So there's a trial, go. well, there has been a successful trial in the Midlands 
um, with smart streetlights. Now, I hate it when people kit shove the word smart in front of anything <laughs> um but essentially what happened was that the certain street lights were acting as repeaters for sort of data transfer so they were enabling um they were enabling vehicles to report uh traffic conditions traffic speeds uh all that kind of thing okay. Uh, uploading it essentially to the streetlights, which then passed it back to the appropriate servers. And then also going the other way, the streetlights were also could then uh, beam this information down to to cars that are the, that are on the road. And and that that's quite a good because it doesn't overload um, sort of 5G uh, or mobile data connections. Uh, it's only over a short short distance as well, so it's very much local traffic information. Uh, that's being passed back and forth uh and it, it just sort of sort of turns into more of a sort of mesh network i guess uh on the road and now i don't i'm not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing um just sort of trying to trying to suggest that but streetlights make sense for this i think yeah i guess it's not anything you know there's no personal data such involved it's all I, kind of car car to x stuff and I I would hope so. Yes, I mean it. It should just be essentially treating treating a, a vehicle as a node, and then being mm. able to say I'm node, you know ZZ nine plural Z alpha, uh, thirty mile, you know, eastbound thirty miles an hour type thing. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, and and that kind of that kind of stuff, or or even it's it's the car saying that I'm 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 this node and I'm going to stop rather. And I'm at this position. I don't know. At this position, then you go, oh, is that personal data? And then, so I, I don't know quite how it would work. Maybe it's, it's sort of mass vehicles. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it does work because the smart motorway has been a huge success. Yes, that's working. That's working out brilliantly. There's no bad PR issues there whatsoever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, well, you would hope that it would it would actually improve that. In fact, it's one of the ways of helping, helping to solve that kind of thing. Where rather than everything having to go back to a central control system and a person to say, "Oh, look, there's a car there. We've got to stop. We've got to, we'll have to to close that lane and shut that traffic and make everyone move across." Then, in actual fact, it's more a case of going uh, of a vehicle coming. You know, it is at a stop. You press the help button, which the all new cars have now, mm-hmm. and it going and it beaming it back, and then that sort of that sort of process of shutting the lane, trying to get everyone to move across, happening far more quickly without these sometimes minutes of delay. So, you know, it, it could help be a solution to that. Now, that's supposition on my part, just to be clear. Mm. But it's the kind of time when that's exactly what you need is that kind of local mesh network to, to do stuff rather than kicking the whole, you know, rather than everything having to go via a person, be centrally controlled, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and as you say, the infrastructure. Well, if if the infrastructure isn't there at the moment, the infrastructure sites are already there. So yeah, mm. from that point of view, it doesn't make sense. Well, the great thing about well, they're talking about installing them at the same time as they're installing LED bulbs. Okay. So they'd be doing the work anyway. And one of the great things, of course, about streetlights is that they come with electricity. Yes. Um, and that's the trouble. You, you, this what they they seem to be talking about in this article. Uh, means that, that that essentially the infrastructure you need is to bolt a box on 
mm. onto the lights rather than okay we've got to put these in we've got to fit this fit these gantries we've got to string these wires we've got to all this kind of stuff um so it, it seems like a it seems like a sensible sensible idea anyway obviously it'll all be down to the implementation but the idea seems pretty darn sound mm. yes i could say some like illuminating idea anyway. oh dear no that would just be too bad a pun right yeah Far moving on okay well this bbc story uh says that major legal changes are needed for the driverless car era um and points out that human drivers should not be legally accountable for road safety uh, once autonomous cars are, are more mainstream. Yes. It's quite a serious one, this, because this is the whole, okay, when you're in a car which can... I've got to be very careful my wording here. When you're in a car which can take control in certain circumstances, in those circumstances... If it crashes or does something really silly in those circumstances, are you legally culpable for it? Mm. And what this report from the Law Commissions for England, Wales and Scotland are saying is that in those situations, you should you should cease to be a driver and instead you should be a user in charge. Mm. Um, that then makes the car the driver and that then means that if the car does something really silly or something unfortunate then actually it's the manufacturer who is legally culpable for for the stuff that goes wrong yes that's that's quite interesting well yes that i think that that leaves some of them a little bit that will leave some of them a little bit scared the knock-on effect of this this report because it's also suggesting that driverlessness in inverted commas shouldn't be oversold mm. so it's also saying you know if you shouldn't you know if you 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 describe something as self-driving the darn thing has to drive itself it doesn't just mean doesn't just mean you know you can you know you've you still got to guide it you still got to have your your, your feet near the pedals uh you still got to have your hands on the steering wheel that that doesn't count that that's no. overselling it and so yeah. then that would be that that would be illegal so this is going to be i imagine this has some manufacturers sort of squirreling away in, in the background working out just what is going to be possible here i mean what level are we at now some 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 cars have you know level two i think um, level two some are promising systems. three which is is that hands off and eyes off I don't know. I can't remember. I've I've um, kind of lost track of it. And the trouble is, mm. they go, well, we've got level two plus. And so it all becomes a kind of smoosh of things. And so the whole level system is, is being broken down. The, the key four findings from this report, before we move on, though, are that a user in charge cannot be prosecuted for offences arising directly from the driving task, such as dangerous driving, speeding, or running a red light, but remains responsible for other tasks, including insurance and checking people are wearing seatbelts. Some vehicles may be allowed to drive themselves with no one in the driving seat and a licensed operator responsible for overseeing the journey. Now, that would be fully autonomous because, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, but And then someone like, um, I don't know, a taxi company 
um, then running them, and they would be responsible should one of their mm-hmm. should one of their 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 literally self driving uh, vehicles have you know have be be driving dangerously, speed run red light, then the culpability would fall with the operator. Um, the other things are that data to understand fault and liability following a collision must be accessible. So at least one manufacturer gets in trouble for not for withholding information about crashes and then using it to to come up with its own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And similarly, there'll be different sanctions for car makers who fail to reveal how their systems work. So you've got to explain how this is all going to work before your vehicle will be allowed to 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 have these, I assume, to be sold or to to, to have these modes activated. And then I guess there's not quite effective insurance and all that exactly. stuff as well. So the insurance companies are a little bit ahead. I can't remember the details, but the insurance companies are a little bit of ahead on this. There, there was something that we we talked about ooh, last year, the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, insurance companies already have have our ideas on this, and it to an extent ties with ties with what's being said here. Um, I think we're quite lucky in this country that actually some thought is going into this sort of surrounding infrastructure so that it doesn't just become a hotbed of of cowboys trying all sorts of stuff. Mm. It's certainly a minefield, though. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, we'll see how that one pans out, whether it happens or not. Yes. Right. Next few stories are very much along the lines of car maker announces fully electric by this year um and so we'll start off in a way that we haven't for a while with the renault nissan rebel alliance uh so <laughs> renault nissan and mitsubishi have outlined uh, outlined their forthcoming ev plan they plan to sell 35 pure electric cars across five new platforms by 2030 and they're going to invest 19 billion pounds uh, in achieving this, obviously we know that that some of this has an impact on uh, on Sunderland and the plant mm-hmm. there. And Andrew and I talked last week about the about the the, the new battery plants that are, are being built up there. One of which butts straight on to the side of of the of the, the factory at Washington. Um, so yes, loads of loads of vehicles coming from there. Many of them Renault have already announced. Nissan, we know about the Aria. Um, uh, and yeah, there was there. There've been stories about the micro replacement mm. earlier this week or last week, um, which will be based on the same platform as the Renault Five, which everyone wants them to build, yes. more or less as it is. Yes. Um, but five platforms uh, strikes me as quite a few. It does, but that does cover quite a lot of quite a lot of mm. vehicles, including, you know, um, uh, Andrew and I talked in, in the Tokyo Auto Sound Special Edition the other week about uh, about even the sort of um, Kai cars from Mitsubishi and mm-hmm. stuff, electric mm-hmm. Kai cars. So you know that's going to be a platform which is really going to have limited use outside of Japan. Um, mm. and, and certain other Far Eastern countries. So, you know, that's it's when you think this is probably going to cover the complete scope 
uh, of everything right the way up to to whatever they're building for infinity um and you know as i say the the area which is quite a relatively big vehicle it's volkswagen id4 size i suppose yeah yeah we're just reading further on that story you know it says that the platform that and the mcgann e-tech electric are on this cmfev mm-hmm. would eventually span 15 models for five brands and that particular platform on its own will be used for around half of the 35 pure evs that wow. the alliance intends to sell globally by 2030 that's yeah a lot of cars that's a lot of cars that that's getting that's going that's going volkswagen isn't it it is yes getting a, running one platform out in just about every every configuration you can think of Mm. But no, that's that, that's interesting. Obviously, none of the Infinity or uh, Mitsubishi uh, vehicles and platforms are going to make it here. Um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing what, what Renault and Nissan... Solid state battery tech sounds interesting too. I'm yeah, saying. well, th- this is <laughs> this is what happens when you have someone who who, who actually knows all about these things on, on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, solid state battery tech is is what many companies are, are looking for at the minute, aren't they? Because yeah, is it Toyota are pledging the working towards possibly, that? yeah. Um, yeah, I don't understand here, but that that's really where people people want to get, isn't it? They want to get away from the sort of slightly soggy batteries that they're using at the minute. Yo, so, uh, but no, that that is the next gen of tech, and it is going to make you know improve the ranges and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. That can be a good thing. Yeah, or well, someone who said that there's not going to be massive changes in battery tech uh, over the next few years, but that'll be the big step. At today's wasn't the Autocar conference? Was it Autocar organized conference? Uh, was the CEO of Bentley, um, and Bentley have announced a load of investment as well. Yes, again, their their date to become carbon neutral is 2030. And they're going to invest two point five billion pounds, um, with five new EVs coming from twenty twenty five, as part of their Beyond One Hundred sustainability plans. That that seems like a lot of money for a small company. I, I know they're part of Volkswagen, but it still seems like a lot of money for quite a small company like Bentley. Yeah, again though, I'm I'm thinking, what would those five cars be? I guess you've got an SUV. Yeah, the Conti GT type car. Yeah, a saloon type thing. Fly spur. Yeah. Well, uh, well, work out. Okay, so there's a Bentayga. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. There's a flying spur. So your four door. Yeah. There's a Continental. So your two door version. Is there a big limo like a Mulsanne coming back? That still only gets us to four, though, doesn't it? Hmm. So, I don't know what the fifth what the fifth one would be, unless there's a a larger or a smaller SUV as well. Would they do a yes, seven seat Bentayga? I don't know. They would. They could do a smaller one though. Well, I don't, I don't know. Would they do a smaller one though? That's the thing. Is it very Bentley to do a smaller one? No, I don't think it would. Be. No, well, me, me neither. I, I'm I'm not sure. I'm sure they. I'm sure they have a better idea than we do. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't one of the announcements too. I don't think it's in the story that they're going to build the cars. Oh no, yeah, they're going to build the cars at Crew. Yes. Uh, so a lot of that, in actual fact, a certain amount of that investment is um, refurbishing 
refurbishing quite a lot of uh, of the assembly and engine plant space at uh, at crew mm. which which when the, the Mulsanne ended ended production it sort of went offline so it's all being worked on right at the minute so yeah. lots of lots lots of investment it's great to see that kind of investment though it really is especially yeah especially here mm. yeah <laughs> I was going to say, especially here and now yeah <laughs> But another. And there's one more. There's one more. Yes. So don't worry. Don't worry, folks. It's the last one. Um, yes. All the current Rolls Royce models are to go electric by 2030. Now we knew that Spectre, Co- the forthcoming Spectre Coupe, was going to be was going to be electric. Uh, but there'll also be EV versions of the Phantom, the Cullinan, and the Ghost. Um, again, not a huge surprise, really. Um, I suppose, but it was it was a matter of when this was going to be announced, not if it was going to be announced. Mm. And my my first initial thought, I guess, random thought, is that Rolls Royce would be the perfect cars to be electric because they're yeah. so so quiet and so refined anyway that it, it could only add to that or be easier to yeah. engineer anyway. Yeah, yeah. What I what I like further down this autocar story is the fact that the Bentley CEO use, uses the word waftability. Yes. Yes. But yeah, that's, it works for me. Yeah. It works yeah. for me. I mean, it, it goes with the old sort of balancing the coin or the champagne, uh, champagne glasses with Lexus, wasn't it? Uh, but mm. it used to be balance, you know, you could, you could balance a coin on its edge on the, on, on the top of a Rolls Royce engine that wouldn't fall over or something. And also um, the fact that the, 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 the average age of the Roswell's buyer is now 43. I know. That's me. Wow, that's younger that's than me. That's really depressing. That's me. That's younger than me. That's even more depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're obviously not working hard enough. Or clearly inheriting. Not. Yeah, clearly you're not inheriting hard enough. That's the Neither problem. of those things. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> but it, wow. it, no, it, it, there's been a major drop in in average ages of of Rolls Royce and, and Bentley customers over the last few years. It's, it's um, it's good because that was a was quite an issue for a while. Yeah, Bentley, I would I would kind of imagine more, but I was quite surprised mm. at that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, what we perhaps might also be surprised by soon is that French car adverts are going to have cigarette style warning labels promoting greener alternatives on them. Well, apparently, yeah. Well, for those of us who visit or have visited France uh, over the last little while, then you get kind of used to these sort of—I was going to say pithy, but they're not really pithy, are they? Uh, you get kind of used to these these little snippets of warnings or guidance that appear on French adverts, because obviously, well, you don't get cigarette advertising anymore, but. But anything that's that's alcohol, there's a little warning on that. Anything that's food and that might be slightly, slightly sweet, sweetened, mm. or sugary, there's a warning mm. on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's only a matter of time, really, before it reached it reached cars, wasn't it? Mm. Well, I'm not even going to even in, even with my best Duolingo, I'm not going to try and pronounce any other French ones. But some of the slogans they have so far include, you know, for short journeys, prioritize walking or cycling, think about lift sharing, um, and on a day-to-day basis, take public transport. Yeah, it's 
it's it's i don't know these kind of things do sort of sink in in a sort of funny way you know if if you think about it which is um you know like the um pour votre santé bougie plus one that appears if you drive down through france and you're listening to the radio every time there's an advert for a, a supermarket which is about every 30 seconds <laughs> telling you the latest offers on carrots and stuff then uh, then there is then there is a, a little bit at the end you know all the terms and conditions apply you know for your health move more and uh, and so it's only a matter of time before this this hit that's the one move more we were saying before we started that yes when we used to go to France more often, all the food adverts did say yeah. something like that at the end. Yes. So, yeah. pour, pour votre santé bougie plus. Yeah, it's a, right. but they deliver it like a flipping um, a machine jingle. gun because they know it. Yeah, all, all like a jingle. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, this this Treehugger story says that print ads must have the warning. Sorry, I just want to point out, the website is called Treehugger. He's not just calling the, calling the French Treehuggers, okay? No, no. This does say that, that the print ads must have the warning in a box covering at least 7% of the ad and that during TV or movie spots, it must stay on the screen long enough to be read or be spoken clearly, uh, which, which goes back to what you were saying just now. You know, it's a bit of a machine gun approach and... Mm-hmm. it's spat out really quickly but yeah that'll be interesting yeah. it is yes yes i'll we'll see how long it is before it, it, it comes across here because here you know a, a, a car with its wheels turning sitting on a photograph of a car with wheels turning on the road can be can be assumed to be to to, to be showing uh you know excessive speed or, or glamorizing fast driving so so we'll see it, it must only be a, a short countdown before these hit us but what will what will this mean? You know, when when the world is more EV, how will this work then? Because in theory, they have no local emissions. In theory, yes. I don't know. I, I think they'll still try and push. If it was me, I would still try to push people towards walking, cycling, public transport, because then you're getting rid of the the congestion and you're having mm. the, the, the keeping the roads and the traffic running more freely. But that depends, of course, on having an integrated public transport system. Yeah, yeah. Which, which you know, they 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 almost do in most of France. Um. As as yeah. Mm. So so it's more. Uh, it's more sustainable. Yes. Yes. Yes, more doable. Yeah. Yeah. D- yes, that doable. That's the word I was looking for. The nice, the nice, easy one. <laughs> Uh, just quickly before we head to to guilt minute, um, numbers aren't out for commercial vehicles in 2021 in the UK. Uh, but one thing that's worth talking about quickly is that whilst the number of cars registered around the world has been dropping quite sign has dropped quite significantly over the last couple of years. Yeah, because dealers have been closed because of the 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 ever present uh, chip shortages. Um, it's worth mentioning that the number of trucks being sold and registered has increased significantly. Uh, one example of that uh, that came out uh, just the other week is uh, Daimler. So Daimler truck, of course, covers Mercedes. It covers Freightliner. It covers Mitsubishi Fuso. 
mm-hmm. uh, and another bunch of brands as well. Um, their sales have gone up 20% uh, year on year. So they were up, twi- up 20% on the 2020 volumes. Uh, they would have been higher if it wasn't for the semiconductors, the, the semiconductor shortages and the chip shortages as well. But just to give a flavor of what might be happening whenever we do get those numbers, and we'll cover them whenever they come out, then um, then that's then that's quite significant. That's up. Mercedes-Benz trucks alone were up 20, 20%. Uh, North America, they're up 17 And Asia, up 30%, uh, to give you to give you an idea. Um, of the sort of broad numbers. Mm. Uh, there'll be another, yeah, there'll be another link in the show notes uh, about uh, about a joint venture that they're starting up in the US, um, particularly with the Freightliner brand, um, and talking about charging um, alternative-fueled commercial vehicles uh, right across the US, be that hydrogen or EV. Uh, so we'll put that in as a little bonus lunchtime read, if you if if the lunchtime read that I'm going to give you later on uh, doesn't doesn't float your boat. So just something a little bit different, moving away from cars for a change. Cool. Anyway, that brings us to somewhere about Guilt Minute. Uh, so Guilt Minute, of course, is that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that motoring podcasts worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small and growing range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released. And by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you, uh, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yay. Um, No motorsport news this week. Uh, Next round of the WRC is coming up shortly, but it was a for motorsport that we cover, it was a quiet weekend. For um, for sports car racing in the US and twenty four hours of Daytona, it was it was not a quiet weekend. Uh, I think Andrew would have talked about that if he was with us, but I didn't see any of it, and I know that he watched quite a bit of it. No, I didn't see any of it either. No, me neither. Um, somebody won. Somebody, <laughs> yeah. some somebody else didn't by not a great margin. Uh, but was but was awfully nice about it afterwards, I believe. I think there were a couple of crashes, uh, but generally it was it was said to be jolly good watching. I think that that is the Alan Precy of what happened at Daytona. Okay. There. Okay. I can't, I can't tell you who, who they drove for or anything. If we were on Zoom Zoomers, Craig would be right there. I know, I know. Well, that's it. It seems weird with you and I sitting here slightly lost about talking about <laughs> motorsport without an absolute expert or three or four to chip in and, and explain it to us. It's normally F1. It's straight up my head. Or, or F2. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit the same, to be honest. I used to, follow, used to follow in loads of detail. And then since it went essentially pay, pay-per-view here in the UK, I, I, I just don't. Um, uh, 
So no, I, I let the experts do it, and I'm sitting wonder when I listen to them. Yeah. I was going to plug Zoom Zoomers just there and say that's oh. the first. That's some of the first Monday of every month um, at eight o'clock on the Zoom Zoomers YouTube channel. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. See we'll Alan and Richard look mystified by motorsport. So I've got better lo- better lighting than tonight. Anyway, yeah, was... <laughs> let's go back to uh, electric trucks, shall we? Um, uh, with the news that Volta Zero, which we've heard a lot of and seen a lot of renderings of, mm. um, its electric truck is going to take part in a central London trial to take on last last mile, not last minute, deliveries in Regent Street um, mm. and the surrounding area this summer. Now, it looks... I've always thought it looks quite good. It looks quite futuristic and um, it, it stuff. looks yeah, futuristic but not ridiculous. Yes, indeed. Um, this fleet will be run by the Crown Estate, which is one of the largest property owners in London's West End, mm-hmm. and the, its distribution firm, which is Clipper Logistics. Um. Uh, and it will deliver stuff to its retail, dining, leisure, and residential properties. It's this is this is quite cunning, and I think this is something we'll see in. Sorry, well, this is moving away from new new car news, I suppose. But the, the but I thought it was interesting as I was reading the article, is that what they're doing is they're essentially set they've essentially set up a hub outside the congestion zone. So mm-hmm. all the deliveries can be made to that hub. It's outside the congestion zone. It's outside of of of. Um, uh, it's probably inside the the, the ULEs though, um, but it means that vehicle that that it's cutting down the vehicles within the congestion zone. It means that they're not having to pay that premium to get trucks into the middle of London. Then they're not con- contributing to the congestion. So things are going to this essentially this distribution centre. And then they're doing from just outside the congestion zone, from just outside central London, into the centre, uh, using these uh, using these these Volta trucks. Mm. Mm. Um, it's quite a sort of it's it's a common way that big companies deal with stuff, but I think it's a really good one because it's not just reducing the amount of pollution from diesel and stuff; it should be reducing the number of vehicles on the road as well. Yeah, yeah, and with the hundred and twenty-five. 25 mile range it should be pretty good for for you, london i guess you would hope that would be a day or two's worth of driving to be honest and yeah you would hope so mm. yeah yeah so it should be well within that but no it's cool that these are going to actually finally be be on the road so mm. at some point i look forward to seeing them but that does involve going into central london and i have no need who wants to do that anyway yeah it's normally an excuse to take a press car on a decent jaunt to a big city. Yeah, yeah. I see. Well, staying with EV, you've got news of a new one. I have. Uh, so, yes. Uh, Skoda Enyaq, uh, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. So, Skoda Enyaq is uh, the... Oh, I can't really think what size... What size is it, Rich? Well, again, it's ID4, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, it's the ID4 platform. Yeah. yeah you're right. It's... it's uh, I can't describe whether mid mid SUV, I suppose. Yeah, mid mid size SUV. Mid-size. So this, so this, this is a, this is the coupe. 
This is the hot version of the coupe version of the midsize SUV. <laughs> Skoda have announced that they will have their first hot EV is going to be that, as I say, the Enyaq Coupe VRS. It's going to have about 295 brake horsepower. It's going to be twin motor. It's going to be all-wheel drive, and it's going to be the the flagship. Um, should have a top speed of a mere 111 miles an hour, which is which is up. That is is up 12 miles an hour from, from the standard version, and it's 99 mile an hour top speed, which, frankly, is more than enough for anyone generally mm-hmm, on the road mm-hmm. uh with a 77 kilowatt hour battery um in theory it should make um it should make 296 ish miles per charge uh, and that's based on the volkswagen id5 gtx so this seems to be a theme uh we're not just getting the this is a mid-size suv or the electric mid-size suv we're also getting the electric mid-size suv coupe yeah, I I drew the correlation with the ID four GTX, but I then realised the ID five is also now out. So yes, yes, but it's so I don't know. Is is this a case of what do you reckon? Is this a case of fill all the niches? Um, is... Possibly. Personally, I don't. I see a little point with SUV space, but that's just me. Um, I. I saw some commentary on on Twitter earlier on pointing out the fact that these made more sense with EVs than they did with petrol cars because they were actually quite an aerodynamic shape. Not true. Mm. Uh, And that it would actually be better for range than the SUV style if it's done right. Yeah. I wonder if it's worth it, yeah. Mm. I do quite like the... The crystal grill, though. Um. Yeah, so do I. To be honest, it's a bit. I, it's a little bit like you know, braces on teeth, but it still looks quite. Well, it looks more stylish than some other manufacturers I can mention. Yeah, it's. It's. I think it'll look really cool, you know, after dark. Mm. If a little bit um, intimidating, maybe maybe the motorway. Well, yeah, the thing about the Enyaq is it really is quite an intimidatingly aggressive front on it. It's, it's mm. At least it doesn't have that so weird overbite of the ID4 and the ID5. Mm. That's a weird bulge at the top. Um, but yeah, it should be... I don't know. I, I don't know how many they'll sell in the yellow, the sort of yellowy-green uh, of, of the one in the photos. I think it's great, yeah. I really like it. Um and good news is probably if you work in motorway maintenance, you, you'll get away without having to actually livery the entire car as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I really like it. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Prices for that, by the way, will begin at around £55,000. So brace yourselves, folks. Um, but again, mm. on the monthly, it should retain its it should retain its cost. The I imagine they will join fleets. They will be bought on the monthly to start with. Uh, mm. And then we'll see what happens with depreciation after that. Uh, lunchtime read this week uh, we've talked about hydrogen alternative fuels we do it all the time uh, one thing we hadn't talked about for a long time was the um, was the Welsh uh, hydrogen car startup River Simple 
um, and its approach using sort of lease, the plan being to, to have a sort of lease fleet of vehicles and to use tiny little fuel cells. So go a little bit along the Gordon Murray approach of of essentially as as small and lighter vehicle as possible uh, in both in both car and van versions. Um, they've been super quiet, uh, but there is a bit of an update. So Nick Gibbs in Autocar, um, and it's it's a relatively long article, uh, so it's worth just just having a catch up on that. So if you are interested in that kind of stuff, if you think it's it, it feeds into y- your thinking. Um, if you're just interested to know what's happened with River Simple, because it got loads of investment and then uh, uh, and then hasn't really been heard of for a while, it does seem to still be there. Um, so maybe a, a good opportunity to just catch up on what's been happening with that. Yes, I certainly will, because I've not been, not had my hands in much hydrogen in many hydrogen stories recently. So um... no, it's been relatively quiet. Um, there's been a little bit of sort of hydrogen-related doom and gloom. But there always is hydrogen-related doom and gloom. There, there is, yes. yes. Be- people are very good at having hydrogen-related doom and gloom. Well, I was somewhere on Thursday that people were asking me, because as you, if you write about motoring or, or, or like you, if you are immersed in it for a fair amount of the time, mm. you know, people expect you to know stuff. And you know, people were asking me on Thursday night somewhere, you know, is hydrogen going to be big or not? Or is it just going to be EVs? And I said, you know, it's going to be horses, of course, is what mm. fits here, might not fit there, and everything else. And they did tend to agree that hydrogen would be, would most probably be heavy goods yeah. biased, um, which struck me as quite interesting because if people who, I believe these people were kind of car people. Mm. Um, kind of. Okay. Kind, yeah, well, they, 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 yeah, I mean, they've owned some fairly decent stuff. Mm. Uh, much more exotic stuff than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, I guess, what you would class enthusiasts. And if they have started to hear about it, then it must, start, it must be starting to, to make an impact somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and, and, and uh, there's at least an awareness. Mm. So, yeah. Let's see what happens. Again see what happens it just depends the river simple one is, is interesting because it is different from most other setups and it is to it is talking about personal mobility a bit more than possibly even you know Toyota and hyundai do mm. a lot mm. Mm. anyway list of the week yes this is i love the the well the crux of the story Romeo has teamed up with acoustic expert Sandy Brown to develop a sound tunnel index of the UK's best tunnels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I know would please a lot of people. Well, yes. Especially with Alpha. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, that's true. Um, the tunnel that has topped the list is the Penman back tunnel. I don't know if I said that right. In I, North I can, Wales. Can, I cannot correct you. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but that one is in North Wales, and that that was top of the list. Um, and the Saltice Tunnel in Cornwall, which I'm pretty sure I've been through, because we've been down that way many times. And and the Beaminster Tunnel in Dorset. Hmm. And what's interesting about those three is that they're all cylindrical. 
and that means they provide the best acoustic environment for drivers to enjoy the sound of their car. Do they? Okay. Yeah. Does, uh, the one that I've been through, the high, I think the highest rated that I know I've been through is the Hindhead Tunnel. Yes. Uh, in, in Sorry, it came in fourth. The trouble with the Hindhead Tunnel, though, is, is that it does have quite strict speed cameras in it. Um, so it can be quite difficult to, you know, just get the, the amount of noise about right. I'm quite surprised that well, I'm quite surprised two that are in there, but I'm not maybe going to say what they are because well, of the Hatfield, list. Hatfield one. Yes, and the one above it. I, can't, I like the Hatfield Tunnel. Yeah, yeah. It's quite short though, isn't it? It's 1,200 metres, it? it says here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's quite long. Yeah. So there's there's the list uh, with a description of them all uh, and, and a little bit of a breakdown, and it's... It, um. And I think the link will be to the news, the news press release. But there'll also be a link. There is a, there is a playlist has been created. Um, oh, that sounds good. Uh, on on YouTube as well. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes. In the show notes too, it's got all ten of them. So you can you can compare them yourselves. There you go. How's about that for some homework? Uh, that's just about. That's just about us. But and finally this week kind of is also our follow up for the week. Um and you remember last week we were talking about the new Toyota Land Cruiser and how it's been so popular um that uh, in Japan the order books are are blocked up for, for getting on for four years. Well there is a Chinese company on Alibaba who could be the solution to all of your new Land Cruiser problems. Good old Alibaba. Good old Alibaba. <laughs> it's quite simply, you keep your existing Toyota Land Cruiser, but they will sell you a body kit that makes your 200 series look just like your 300 series. And it's actually alarmingly accurate. Mm. Um, so, yes, it's a story on Jalopnik. Um yeah, it comes with all the lights. It comes with all the everything to 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 turn one into the other. Uh, nobody knows quite how good it is, but it's it's there and it's available. Should that be an issue for you? Unsurprisingly, it's not an issue for me. I was then going to ask you: Would that be an issue for you? Not this week, no. <laughs> not this week. Uh, yeah, everybody commenting that it actually seems actually seems pretty pretty decent and and it looks good in the pictures and the youtube videos that have mm. been supplied but it's going to cost you five thousand five hundred dollars unless you're buying five or more in which case you get you get a discount yeah okay just seeing the the slideshow below it, i think of articles i saw an fj cruiser the other day on the motorway i thought oh blimey mm. that's a rare old thing Mm, this year, yeah. yeah. Since it's the only off-roader I ever said I'd, I'd swap the, um, I'd swap the Veracross for. Um, so yeah, if I was to buy another was, off-roader, that's that sort of up top of the top of the list, really. But was driving, so no pictures. I know. I hate it when that happens. Oh look, there's something really, really <laughs> interesting, but there's no way I'm taking a picture of it. No. Also, my phone is down there on a tiny little lead, and I want to listen to the rest of this track. <laughs> That's what happens to me anyway. Yes. 
Uh, parish notes for the week. Uh, there was a special edition out last Friday. I had the Volkswagen ID3. That's right. I had a grey Volkswagen for a week. Uh, if that doesn't tie a grey electric Volkswagen, so if that doesn't tie together a whole load of tonight's stories, I just don't know what does. Um, so yes, find out. Find out. Uh, is it the third coming for Volkswagen? Um, I guess, then, yeah, I guess. So. How, yes. Sorry, that was that was Beetle Golf. ID3, by the way, was my thinking there. Those of you who like to pick me up on these things, because it seems I misspoke at one point during the during the special edition. Uh, so, so oh, yes. I've, not, I've not heard I've, that yet. I'd have to listen. It's me and Volkswagen. It doesn't happen very often. I know. Uh, so, yes. Um, will there be another special edition out this Friday? Possibly not, given... Given given Andrew's current plague-ridden state, I'm not sure he's allowed. Yeah, I'm not sure Mrs. Clues is allowing him near the computer at the minute. So, um, so he's having it's, to rest. It's not the C-word plague, is it? It is the C-word plague. Is it? Yes. Oh no. Well, he's got a number of small people who can bring it back from where yes. the sort of mass gatherings they must attend every day in the name of education. So Indeed. the fact that it has taken this long, I think, is really quite admirable. Mm, true, true. He, he, is, he is alive. He looks like he's going to stay alive. So um, well, he just, was, he's just a bit snotty and grumpier than usual. He was pinging me DMs on Twitter earlier on, so I'm sure he is alive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Either that or he's finally got the bot to work. I don't know. Yes. How will we tell the difference? Don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your app lets you do such a thing. Rich, thank you so much for giving up your... Uh, giving up your Tuesday evening to help out this week. Okay. Uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and ask you a little bit more about some of the stories we've covered tonight? Um, that would be on Twitter. Um, my Twitter name is at richgoodingcom. And Alan, how would people get in touch with you if they want to ask you about grey EVs, for example? Grey EVs? specialist subject uh twitter is the best way where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y uh, andrew will hopefully be back next week but until then i've been alan bradley and i've not been andrew please and safe motoring <laughs> <laughs>